Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 64, quarterback signings and more trades. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. We are less than two weeks to kick off. As usual, this week we have more XFL developments to cover. In addition, we have two interviews this week. Later in the show, I will be joined by NBC affiliates KSLV3's main sports anchor, Brian Salmon, to discuss the Las Vegas Vipers and their lead-up to 2023's kickoff. We will also be joined by Spectrum News 13 sports anchor and reporter Josh Miller to discuss the Orlando Guardians and their lead-up to the 2023's kickoff. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On January 28th, the XFL announced a trade. Heard the XFL communications team, the Houston Roughnecks received defensive tackle Josh Avery, and the D.C. defenders received defensive end Tarkarius Tisdale. Then, on January 30th, the XFL announced another trade. Per the XFL communications team, the Arlington Renegades received wide receiver Zamari Manning, and the D.C. defenders received defensive back Cameron Lewis. Also on January 30th, the XFL announced quarterback Paxton Lynch had signed with the Orlando Guardians. Then, on February 1st, the XFL announced quarterback Brett Hunley was assigned to the Vegas Vipers. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by NBC affiliate KSLV's three main sports anchor, Brian Salmon, to discuss the Vegas Vipers lead-up to the 2023's kickoff. Brian is a seasoned sports media professional. Before returning to Las Vegas, his experience and stops include KBTV in Beaumont, Texas, CNN Sports Illustrated, KPAX CBS in Missoula, Montana, WWLTV in New Orleans, Louisiana, and WFXT Fox 25 in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Brian. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL. The Vegas Vipers lead up to February's kickoff, which is just in a few short weeks. Mike, I appreciate you having me on. I absolutely want to talk some XFL. I mean, here in Las Vegas, we love sports, the sports entertainment capital of the world. Now, that's what I tell everybody. And the the Vipers are the next best thing to come to uh, Sin City. Yeah, I know we're going to jump into it here in a little bit. So we'll just we'll hit the pause button. But I think it's very beneficial for our listeners to get a, an understanding of who you are. I can do my lead-in on you. But I'm not going to really do you the full biopic. Now, I'm saying we're going to go that far either. But, you know, let's do you a service here and give you an opportunity to explain to my listeners 
of who you are and why I brought you on so they have a better understanding. Sure. Well, I'm the sports director at the NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas. Uh, I've worked in big markets. I worked in Boston as a an anchor reporter, covered the Patriots. I've worked in New Orleans. Uh, I've worked in Las Vegas previously, then left and then came back. So, I mean, I, I've worked in big markets, small markets. I've covered NBA. I've covered everything you could possibly want to cover. Uh, but I have not been in a city that I love like Las Vegas, honestly. Even being in Boston and covering the Patriots and the Celtics and the Bruins and all and Red Sox, I think that Las Vegas, pound for pound, as far as your quality of life and what you get to cover, the variety of things that you get to cover here, to me, this is the best market that I've been in. And the next one close is probably New Orleans. So that's kind of the background of, of you know, my, my television background. And I've been doing it for a little while. And I'll toot my own horn just a, a tiny bit. I just was inducted into the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame probably like two or three months ago. So I've been doing it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, toot your horn all the way. Go ahead. You know, that's your soapbox moment. Take it, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I try not to break my arm, pat myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need to go that far, I guess, but it's all good. You know, that's a perfect because I know everyone kind of is like, okay, why is it this guy that he's reaching out to to get a feel for what's going on? Well, you're in the market, right? I mean, you're so in tune to the sports, obviously, as a sports anchor. Or the yeah. main sports anchor, so to speak, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely I know the sports landscape here in Las Vegas. I, I worked at the ABC affiliate from 2005 to 2010, back when it was basically UNLV basketball was probably the biggest thing to cover. We had championship boxing, which was huge with Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya. That's huge here in Las Vegas. I was here for the start of the UFC, which is huge internationally. But Las Vegas, it's based here. So that's another one of our professional franchises, so to speak. I was here for the UFC explosion. Uh, I was also, you know, we also have a NASCAR track here. So we have two races a year that are here. We have a AAA baseball team, the Aviators, which are an affiliate of the Oakland A's. So we have that as well. Now we also have the Las Vegas Aces, the champion of the WNBA. We have, let's see, this got a bunch of, oh, we have the, the G League team Ignite. So the NBA G League team is here. We had, I'm going to say, three players that were drafted in the, the past NBA draft that came from the G League team. And they played their games at MGM last year. This year, they moved into a brand-new arena called the Dollar Loan Center. So we have that. Obviously, we have the Golden Knights who had their, their big run, Stanley Cup. We have their AHL team, which is basically a triple-A team. So we have that as well. They play in a brand-new arena. We have an arena football team that's here as well, the Vegas Nighthawks. Uh, those are all owned by the same man who owns the Vegas Golden Knights, Bill Foley. So he owns the Golden Knights, the Silver Knights, the Vegas Nighthawks, and the G League team Ignite kind of are underneath his umbrella as well. So we have that. The NBA Summer League is here. So they're here every year in the summer. So we have all the NBA teams are here during the summer. You'll see, you know, LeBron James, I mean, anyone that you – isn't anyone anyone that's anyone that's a an NBA player will be here during the summer because all their teams all the teams come here and the players come here. So I, I've been here for all of that, all of that. So Vegas. It, oh, did I mention that the Raiders are here? I didn't. So we no. also have an NFL team. So think about all of those different uh, avenues to to enjoy sports are here, and that's not to mention 
that we have, I want to say five college basketball tournaments that are here. So, so you have the Mountain West, where UNLV plays in, Gonzaga's conference. Uh, what is that? The, the Big West, I want to say. They play here. Um, the Pac-12, they play here. Um, th- there's so much going on. I can go on and on, but there's a ton going on here in Las Vegas, and I get an opportunity to cover all that. There's also some bowl games that are here as well. Pro Bowl, NHL All-Star Game. Which is, I mean, gosh, there's, there's nonstop sporting events here in Las Vegas. Like you're at a buffet. And you got your plate right in front of you, right? It's all piled up, but you missed one. The Desert Dogs of the National Lacrosse League. And and listen, I just had to to fit it in there because there's so much. I knew you were going to miss one or two. And listen, I'm certain that I don't have them all because I'm not even in the market. So I get it. There's you're you got to go back to the buffet and load back up because there's more. No, that's right. That's right. And you know what? I should have thought of the Desert Dogs because the station I work for, we are the official station for the Desert Dogs. I actually boxed with one of the players for the Desert Dogs. I had their coach and a couple of guys uh, on our show, Jackson Subak, who's one of he's kind of like their their fighter, so to speak. A lot of Canadian guys. I didn't realize that box lacrosse is one of the official sports of Canada. I don't know if you knew that. So hockey and box lacrosse are two of the sports of Canada. Right. I learned that lacrosse was a bigger deal than I'd ever realized in Canada started watching some movies and stuff that and they found out that hockey is not the national sport. It is perhaps the most popular sport, but it's not the national sport. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> not that we're here to talk hockey or Canada, yeah. but yes, you know, it's interesting how things like that play out. Well, anyway, you definitely just set the table really good for us to get into this. So let's talk some XFL. Let's talk. Back in July, the league announced its eight markets with the Las Vegas receiving its second XFL franchise. Seeing that the city had previously had the outlaws back in 2001 and have since welcomed the national football leagues, Raiders, you know, the indoor football leagues, Nighthawks. Yes. Does the city have an appetite for another professional football team? More so the XFL in particular. Man, that, that is the million dollar question. That is absolutely the million-dollar question. And that's a question that a lot of the media members have posed to Rod Woodson, the head coach of the Las Vegas Vipers. Obviously, the NFL Hall of Fame cornerback, Rod Woodson, was the man. So that's one of the questions we posed to him. And his response was the fact that they want to have a very exciting, fast product that's affordable for families, which is a big thing. Because as you know, I'm sure, going to any professional sporting event for the most part it's not cheap nfl is not cheap nhl is not cheap uh but the xfl wants to be something affordable that you can go take your you know a family of four to go watch the game and maybe spend 50 bucks to get in there if possible because they're gonna i'm assuming they're going to they're going to rely more so on television television contracts to make their money and not necessarily ticket sales so does the market have an appetite for XFL football, you know what? I think if they have an exciting game where they're they start winning and you know they're putting up a lot of points, I think that it can do well here. They're going to play at Cashman Field, which is literally a half a mile from where I'm at right now. It's it's literally right. I, I can look out a window and I can see the lights at Cashman Field from where I'm at. So it's a smaller venue, it's downtown, it's it's where the triple A baseball team used to play. They're gonna convert it into a, a football field. 
I didn't mention that we have a, a minor league uh, soccer team as well, the Las Vegas Lights. And they actually play at Cashman Field. So, so um, I, I think the venue is great. I think that they will probably draw, I don't know, maybe five. If they can draw five to 7,000 fans, that would be a huge, huge, huge win for them. And they're doing a lot of media, which is a good thing as well. That kind of jumped ahead on some of my questions. So we'll just kind of talk about Cashman here a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that I sent you in our DM the configuration, essentially. Yeah, I saw that. We know that there's not going to be any seats or any portable seats, temporary seating brought in along that one side. So we know that that's going to be the configuration. Is that going to be odd for those that are in attendance to see for as far as atmosphere environment i doubt it no i mean because people that go to that venue they're used to sitting they know it's a baseball field and when they played soccer there that's how it would be during soccer games you know the that area that you can see where the the stands are at um that's behind home plate and that's like the uh, left field line basically so yeah i don't think that'll be odd at all not at all um They'll probably have some people on the field doing whatever they're doing, like maybe some VIPs that are down there or something like that. But yeah, if I think personally, I think it's a, a great venue for football. It's small. I think it's going to be, it's going to be nice and um intimate for fans to go to and location, location, location. It's literally on Las Vegas Boulevard, North Las Vegas Boulevard, but still it's on Las Vegas Boulevard, not far from Fremont. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a great venue for them. Okay, now we'll go back to what I wanted to go. It's all good. No, it's Look, all good. I don't hey, have you, to edit it. <laughs> no need to edit. We'll just go with it, man. Okay. We're just go with the flow. And there people can't even hear this little part. Um, so it has nearly been seven months since the announcement of you know Vegas getting a team here for 2023. Since then, you know, the team has been branded as the Vipers. What was the initial reaction to the nickname? not being the outlaws was there any outcry was there just an acceptance of the vipers or is it just so quiet that it's unknown yeah there there definitely was no residual um outcry from the previous xfl team this is i mean for most people here in this market it's as if las vegas just got a new team they didn't get they didn't return it, it wasn't a team that returned to las vegas rebranded you know what i mean a lot of people a lot of people i'm sure remember the xfl team but it wasn't like it was a you know it wasn't like it was a unlv or the raiders i mean those are like the big names here in this city so uh the name the vipers oh that's a pretty cool name the colors look great uh it's nice we've got Dwayne the rock johnson kind of making the announcement you know we have rod woodson kind of going around town and i think that the different television stations here in the market have, have covered the team uh, pretty well so far. I mean, I literally just got a, a text message from one of their PR guys about trying to set up some interviews. So, I mean, they're they're doing their due diligence to get out and, and talk about the product uh, and making it very easy for us, which a lot of, of the franchises here in Las Vegas have not made it very easy for, uh, like, media access, so to speak. So, it'll, it'll be um, – I, I think – I think they'll do pretty well. I'm I'm very much looking forward to see what the environment's going to be like. I think the first couple of games will kind of set the tone. Think about this: the Desert Dogs, lacrosse, 
who the heck watches across in Las Vegas? I'm thinking this is going to be a terrible idea. First game, they play in the same arena as the Las Vegas Aces at Mandalay Bay. It's called Michelob Ultra Arena. And they got 7,000 people in there. I was, my mind was blown. Like, I could not believe that they had 7,000 people in there to watch a lacrosse game. So, if that's the case for lacrosse, I think that an XFL game, cool uniforms and name, nice, good publicity here in Las Vegas, I think it'll do well. Is there anyone of those teams, whether it's minor league, top tier, is there anybody that's struggling attendance-wise? I would probably say that the uh, Team Ignite doesn't necessarily draw the NBA G League squad. And the reason why, this is my personal deal. This fact, it, they play at the Dollar Loan Center, which is in Henderson. It's a brand new arena. It's very, very nice. But for guys like myself, this is, these are rich people problems in a sense because Las Vegas is a, is a small, big city, right? You can get anywhere for the most part in like a half hour, 45 minutes. But my personal, I don't want to drive way out to Henderson. It's to me, it's too far away. And you live in a real, you know, like a real city, like too far away is an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Too far away is not 25 minutes out of your way, which, which I'm spoiled now. I don't want to drive out there. I don't think a lot of people, I don't think they draw all that well at the uh, Ignite games. But other than that, the Silver Knights, which play in this very same arena, they draw, I think, pretty well for the most part for a minor league hockey team, probably because they don't play as many games at home as Ignite. It seems like they're always playing a game, the G League team. Um, the Desert Dogs, the first game, like I said, they drew well. The Aces draw well. The Golden Knights draw well. The Raiders. I mean, if that's an investment. People are selling their tickets. But, I mean, Allegiant Stadium is Allegiant Stadium. If you're going to pick a game to go to on the road for your team, you're going to come to Las Vegas. So, And I think it'll be the same with the XFL. Someone well, wants to support I, one of their teams. I think that's what the league's hoping, right? I think in some way, yes, they're in the smallest stadium of any of the eight teams, but I think in the grand scheme of things, they're just hoping that they can pack that. So I know they have a goal of 8,000 per game, even though it seats just over 9,000 people with fixed seats. So we'll have to see what happens. But the reason why I asked that is because going back to 2001, different climate sports climate because they were averaging i want to say something like 20 almost twenty three thousand people for the outlaws again they did at sam boyd stadium back at sam boyd when i wow. pulled up the numbers if i remember correctly because i don't have it in front of me i think it was like twenty two thousand six hundred and something is what it averaged out now i'm assuming it was like anything else back in 2001 the league started out really hot so they might have been putting in 40,000 or 45. I don't even know how many seats, but whatever they did, they probably definitely did extremely well. And it probably tailed off pretty hard, but the average still ended up coming out to be like 20, I don't know, 22,600 something. It was right. Just shy wow. of like 23,000. So that's the reason why I ask. I know that the appetite may still be there for sports because the city is just growing in general. And there's so many people it coming is. in from everywhere looking for something to do. So whatever their interests are, I get it. I mean, that's why I was like, well, is there anyone that's not doing well? Because that's kind of like if you're the next new team, those other teams are not folding, right? No one's closing up shop. No one's being relocated. Well, you're still 
going to add to that buffet. And at some point you can't select everything and put it on the plate. So that's where I'm yeah. just kind of like. Yeah, there's an overload. I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, that line of thinking and wondering if that is going to be the case, which is why in my personal opinion, I, I don't think Vegas needs the Oakland A's. We have a triple A team. Uh, they play at Las Vegas ballpark, which is a brand new ballpark. I think it may be three years old now, but it was voted uh, America's best ballpark like two years in a row. So, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's perfect for minor league hockey, but there's no way, I, I don't think, there's any way that Las Vegas would support uh, a professional uh, Major League Baseball team with 35,000-seat stadium outside of the strip corridor. Like, for instance, if it was somewhere where, like, for instance, where the Dollar Loan Center is in Henderson, if there's a, a baseball stadium out there, there's no way people are supporting it, in my opinion. If the 35,000, 40,000-seat uh, stadium is somewhere in Summerlin, which is where the Las Vegas ballpark is. It's on the west side of town, which is probably, I don't know, 10 miles off the strip or something like that. No way I think they're supporting it. If we get a new stadium built on the strip, like where the Tropicana Hotel is or the Rio Hotel, these are places that they're talking about, maybe, then I think it could do well. But I don't think we, I think we're at a max capacity of sports franchises here in Las Vegas. And the XFL is probably like the last one that, in my personal opinion, that I feel that we need or that we can support. And it being at an 8,000 seat stadium, I think is perfect because if you get 8,000 people in there, 7,000 people in there, it's the atmosphere is what you want. And it's going to be a very good atmosphere because I can tell you the atmosphere for the, the Las Vegas Lights soccer team that plays there is bananas. And it would be great for football as well. As long as they they follow the lead of all the other franchises here in Vegas, I don't know if you've ever been to a Raiders game or a Golden Knights game here. You mean that you live in Florida? Probably not. The atmosphere for the Golden Knights and the Raiders are different than a regular game. They they do a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of entertainment value. They they've made it into Las Vegas, so to speak. For instance, if you go to my um my Instagram page. It's Brian News 3, B-R-Y-A-N News 3 L-V. And check it out. Um, I had a, I have an interview with Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana was the first person to perform uh, at the at Allegiant Stadium for the very first Raiders game. They have a musical act at halftime for every Raiders game. Wow. Ice Cube and Too Short performed at the um the first um regular season game for the Raiders. They've had Ludacris, they've had Run DMC. They've had uh, Van Halen. They've had uh, uh, they've had a, a bunch of different people perform at Raiders um, football games. The Golden Knights are the same thing. They have Cirque du Soleil during during uh, intermissions. They'll have the Michael Jackson uh, Cirque du Soleil perform during intermissions down <laughs> on the ice. They they have uh, I mean the the entertainment value for one of those games. It's literally nothing like you've ever seen before. And I've been in a few different stadiums across the country. You know what I mean? So it's the XFL is going to, and the Vipers specifically, they're going to have to live up to that moniker of bringing some kind of entertainment value, giving people a bang for their buck. Because like you said, they uh, there's a lot of options. You go see Bruno Mars right down the street. 
And that show is fantastic. People are flying in to see that. You can go see Usher. Fantastic, crazy show. So if you're going to go spend money to go see the, the Las Vegas Vipers, you better bring something. You go see Santana. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, you people with a million Grammys. So, yeah, they're going to have to do yeah. that for sure. You know, I didn't even think about that at all because, no, I, I have been to Vegas. I've never attended a sporting event. No, this is dating myself back, and I believe it was New Year's of 2006. Okay. I, I came in town for a week and um, you know, to celebrate New Year's and whatnot. You know, everyone talks Times Square, whatever. You got to check out some of these other cities in hell. They do it. They shut down the strip. They had these all these all these vendors and stuff. It, it was a good time. My brother and I had a really good time. Anyway. Yeah, there's entertainment everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go, right? Even non-sports. So it doesn't really surprise me that it's being done at sporting events on top of the entertainment that you're going to attend, you know, a live game. So, I mean, that's something I wonder, not that anyone has a crystal ball here or anyone has all the insight into the league, if the league has really thought about that because they're trying to be inexpensive right twenty dollar twenty five dollar seats right bring the family out but at the same time you got to kind of live up to the the vegas way especially here in las vegas i mean the golden knights they set the bar going to the stanley cup but the atmosphere of the games they set the bar like you would you would do yourself some justice to kind of take a look at some of the videos like i have a few videos that i put on youtube that i've i've recorded on my phone of like say the the opening the opening uh bit for the Golden Knights before each and every hockey game. And <laughs> the opens for those games, I'd say I've got like three hundred thousand views on some of these videos. Wow. To just put them online. So it's they started with that and then the winning and then the electricity inside the event, little John performed at, you know, some of the goes to the games. Uh, and you already know how, you know, ah, little John is just a ball of energy. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you got little John performing at the golden Knights games and, you know, kind of setting the tone. So the Raiders followed suit. They literally followed suit. Uh, and they, they've done a fantastic job in year one. They had Bruce buffer from the UFC. He he would announce the teams running onto the field live. Like he would be out there, and it it makes you want to fight. Like the energy, it's just insane. So I do know that the PR person for the XFL's Vipers came from the Golden Knights. He knows very well. He was there for the first three years. He knows very well what they use as their recipe for trying to get fans and everything else. There is absolutely no way that the Vipers are not going to have some kind of trick up their sleeve to have, to add entertainment value to their product. And if they, if by, by chance, some chance that they did not, then that would be a huge, huge mistake on their part. I can't imagine that they haven't turned over that, you know, every rock and kind of, okay, we need to do this for our games. No No way. Yeah. I mean, just to think, you know, it's a third iteration of a league. And for whatever reason, the second one didn't work out. You have a world pandemic, COVID. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, things happen and you can't foresee everything coming. But money wise, right, this time around, they're in a hub. 
in Arlington, Texas to do all the training camp. They're going to fly all the players into the markets a day or two ahead of the games. It's kind of still try to interact with the community, but in essence, they're not living in Vegas. So everything they've done is to try to save money. Did they calculate that aspect of entertaining the fan in being the smallest venue, right? To turn a profit. That's just, that's another, you know, layer to the onion that if they did, it just doesn't seem like the recipe for success for, you know, profitability. And then I'm not taking a yeah, shot here. Like, you know, you start looking at it like, wow, now cheaper seats, small, you know, yeah. smaller venue, even if you're only drawing seven, 8,000 people, it just, we'll have to see what they do. Right. No, no doubt. It's a little early. Uh, they kind of got the information of the stadium out late. So here we are. We know this, the team is collecting deposits and focused on season tickets right now. But the reality is we're just a few weeks from the league kicking off. Luckily, the Ve- the um, the Vipers are kicking off in Arlington for week one. Yes. Yes. I look back on the schedule. They're set to be in Vegas for week two. So, I mean, they haven't even got single game tickets out there yet. Knowing this, what do you anticipate week one being? Not what they could potentially pull on the season, but week one, that second week, but the first week at home. Could it be a disaster? Honestly, I'm looking at the date here, Saturday the 18th. Um, They're in Arlington. What is the Super Bowl? Well, their championship isn't going to be until May. Okay. May 13th, I believe. I don't have it right in front of me. Oh, I'm sorry. The 25th. Oh, my goodness. You got to be kidding me. So, so the 25th is about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is, yes, the week before kickoff. Right. So, it'll be that Sunday before the 18th. I thought you were talking about the the version of the XFL. No, no, no. I was wondering when the actual Super Bowl was because, obviously, they don't want to have their first weekend be the weekend of the Super Bowl. Like, that would be. That wouldn't be smart. <laughs> uh, the XFL's whole premise from day one, even back in 2001, is to always start the week after the Super Bowl because there's that football hangover. Everyone wants more football. So that's exactly. kind of been Good. the XFL way since 2001, 2020, 2023. Here we are. Deja vu. The week smart. after Super Bowl. Okay. Good. Very smart then. So uh, it looks like the very first home game for the Vipers is the 25th of February on Saturday taking on the D.C. Defenders. So I personally, I, I, I think that first week they'll do well. I think they'll do really well. I'm looking at it for me personally, which has nothing to do with anything you're asking, but I'm thinking about personally for me. Uh, I recently just started, well, I've been I've been training for uh, boxing for like the last uh, eight, nine months. And I've got an amateur fight. I'm doing my first amateur fight. It's the 25th and 26th weekend. Uh, it's the same weekend as the very first home game, which is terrible, terrible timing. So get knocked um, out, man. <laughs> I spar a lot, man. I'm I'm I spar with a professional, so yeah, I'm not. I'm hoping I do not get anything can happen, but right. I'm I'm big with keep my hands up. So, oh, uh, man, that's that's so personally for me, that's a terrible day. But I I think that they will do well. I really do. Especially the first weekend, they'll have a ton of publicity. I've seen them on a bunch of different TV stations. Sports guys are covering it. CBS affiliate, the Fox affiliate, and myself again, the uh, NBC affiliate. 
we've run long stories. I'm going to have, I'll have their coach in and probably a player or two um, this week again. So I think they'll have enough publicity to get people out for that first week. I just think they absolutely need to kind of show and prove in week number one for their home opener. And uh, honestly, their first game in Arlington as well, because all of us sports guys, sports folks here in Vegas, we will show highlights and talk about it. We'll preview it. We'll talk about it. I've used sound from the different Zooms that they have because they'll have Zoom interviews with the players and coaches. I've used that as well. So they'll have enough good publicity going into the first week uh, on the road, the debut, and then the first home opener. Uh, though I think they'll get a nice little crowd out there. I just hope the game goes well and it's not raining and you know all that other kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to it, but uh, that kills me that it's the same night. It's my fight. Sometimes oh, that's, that's just how life plays out. It has to be that way, right? So Brian, <laughs> I started this show. You know, I'd mentioned with you, I had had some health issues and whatnot, and uh, I wanted to cover the league in a slightly different way than. You know, some of the other shows have done so to help draw in some new fans. But I had, you know, my my health issues pushed back my wedding. So now I'm getting married in the middle of the XFL season as a podcast host for an XFL. It's not ideal. Right. So I have my wedding April 15th. I have my bachelor party March 11th. These are all weekends that the XFL are playing. So I, I get it. Right. Life happens. Whatever's dealt. You know, these things were booked before the season. You know, I was all hoping because I have season tickets to the Orlando Guardians, even though it's a two and a half hour drive. I mean, it is right. But so I got to find a way to make it all work. And luckily, a lot of these games are going to be streamed on ESPN Plus so I can watch replays to try to get caught back up before I have to find a way to get recording in. But anyway, that's that's a that's personal problems. Like you say, we just sometimes it's how life just throws us a curveball or, you know, throws a wrench into things. But. You know, knowing what we know, or you hopefully know a little bit more. All right, so we know that the coaches, whatever, Woodson's doing kind of some media here and there. It's good. But what else are we seeing as far as marketing the team? Are we seeing anything in the old school, traditional sense of, you know, TV ads, billboards, print media? Are we seeing or maybe is it just pushing the television stations, the radio stations. I mean, what is it? Are we seeing any grassroots like some of these other markets we're seeing happy hours or fan fests and things like that? What is uh, happening in Vegas? The, yeah, leading up to the first game, I haven't seen a whole lot of just ads all over the place. Uh, um, but I have seen coverage, though. Like I've seen good media coverage. Like I said, from the different stations here in town, so they're they're definitely doing their due diligence there. They're making themselves extremely available to do stuff. Like for instance, I know I saw Rod Woodson and I want to say maybe two players in studio for at the uh, CBS affiliate, and that the Raiders never had anyone in studio for any of the stations. The Golden Knights don't go in studio at any of the stations during the season. You know what I mean? So that's something that that's a that's a feather in their cap. You can you can see that they are kind of you know trying to ingratiate themselves to the Las Vegas community at least via the media. Uh, as far as you know, like being out in the community doing stuff, like you said, they're in Arlington, so it's not like they're 
they're practicing here, but they also held a media day in which, you know, Woodson and some of the players, I guess, were here. So, yeah, I think they're they're doing their they're doing their due diligence as far as the media is concerned. And, you know, they've had some ads on TV or whatever, but I think they're doing well with that. Yeah, I, I can't fault them for that at all. I think they're doing pretty well with that. That's encouraging for a team that, yeah. you know, was very silent there for the longest time on a stadium that are kind of behind the eight ball and getting their season tickets. They haven't even started selling single game tickets. So that's encouraging though, that they're not completely behind on everything that they have at least been pushing the Vipers brand, not just the XFL, but the Vipers to get that out there and it's professional football, even if it's a developmental league. So that's good. That's, that's a good deal. Yeah, no, definitely good. Definitely good. Um, and in this market, I think a big way to push your product is to definitely go through guys like myself and the TV stations. And, you know, we have, I have a 30 minute Sunday show that myself and Jesse Merrick, we do. And I bring in guests to do interviews with them all the time. So, and the CBS affiliate has one. So we're the only two stations, but I mean, those, they're making themselves available. Like I said, their PR guy is making the, the players and, and anyone uh, that they have in Las Vegas available and they'll they'll work with you as far as trying to meet you somewhere. It's just, you know, you don't have to drive 80 million miles to get to the Raiders facility just to go talk to somebody like it is for me. <laughs> so no, I think they're doing they're doing a fine job so far. All right. Is there anything we're missing? Like we know that they had the the draft back in November and stuff. So obviously they they were trying to make things happen. But is there anything we're missing with the XFL? that we just have no clue about. I mean, it seems pretty cookie cutter. It seems pretty yeah. straightforward, but I'm like, is there anything we're just kind of missing with the Vegas market? So far, so good. I think we have to wait and see what happens with the first game. The only thing we're missing is uh, how good is the product on the field? Because that will matter. You know, uh, the the Desert Dogs, they lost their first three games, I want to say, maybe the first four games. But the um, the product was good as far as the excitement level. You know, they uh, so and Vegas is one of those towns like if you stink, folks aren't going to go see you play, especially if you're like a, a new franchise. So that's something we'll have to um, we'll have to wait and see what they look like on the field for sure. Well, right. Every team is still putting those pieces together. And I won't get into too much. I'll let you do your work uh, and figure out what you got to but it looks like there's some things happening today in the quarterback realm for the Vipers. Oh, really? We had Luis Perez, Brian Scott. Looks like Brian Scott has mutually parted ways. So I wasn't going to go this far, but it sounds like Brian uh, Brian Scott has mutually parted ways. And it sounds like a NFL guy could be coming in to take the starting reins. I'll leave that to you to... Use your sources, but from what we're seeing, nothing official has came out yet. So I'll plant that seed. So maybe you can dig into something for tonight's broadcast. Yeah, that would be something worth talking about, especially on a day like today, because I don't have a whole lot of stuff going on. You know, like Monday and Tuesday are, will be like my slower days. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be everything going on. So, um, but I appreciate the heads up. I'll look into it because I hadn't heard anything. Last the last big thing I heard was this weekend in the Las Vegas Aces getting Candace Parker. 
Yeah, I did see that. Be, what did I see that yesterday, two days ago, something like that? It was just recently. Yeah, on yeah. Saturday. Man, yeah. that that's that's massive for the, for, and they have a very good fan base here too. So, um, well, star power helps sell, right? I mean, when you talk about entertainment, and I think that's exactly what the Vipers have here for a developmental league, a supplemental league, however you want to look at these alternative leagues to be. But I mean, you got Martavius Bryant. Guy had played very well in the National Football League for whatever yeah. you know reason. He kind of dropped out of the league, but he's kind of if he can bring that back, he has name recognition. You got Beasley, former Pro Bowl linebacker on the team. Smart. Yeah, I mean, and if you get who is rumored to be, and again, I'll let you do your homework. I don't. <laughs> it if it's starting to come together. Not saying it's a Pro Bowl quarterback or a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but it's somebody that has kind of made his rounds in the National Football League. If this is the case, Vegas might just have what they needed. Some of these guys with some name recognition and stuff like that. And from when I look at the roster, and I know I'm not an analyst, I know I'm not anybody that comes with some hardcore football um, background, but the reality is they look like they could be a top two team, in my opinion. Man. I mean, so <laughs> if that's the case, again, the games are not played on paper. We know that. Injuries happen. There's a whole bunch of things. Chemistry. These guys all have to come together. But the reality is, it looks like you guys might have a winner. Man. And I think that's something that the Vipers would need to do. They they will need to play well in order to garner a lot of support here in Las Vegas. Because, like I said, there's there are a lot of options. And one of the options that Las Vegans will not exercise will be a losing team option. You know what I mean? So, oh, okay, they they stink. I'm not going to I'll I'll go do something else that day. So, um but as long as the atmosphere is good, that would be something worth uh checking out at least for the first couple games. Like I said, the first couple games, I think they'll they'll be close to near of a sellout. And I know at least for my myself and my department, we will be all over it cuz man, you you cannot get any better in proximity to our station than Cashman Field. Like I was overjoyed hearing that they're going to be playing their games at Cashman Field. That's beautiful. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to have these games look full. If anything we yes. learned from 2020, looking back, the games played at MetLife Stadium with the New York Guardians did not look good. You can't play in an almost an 83-seat stadium with only 17,000 people in attendance. It looks terrible. But when you look at what the D.C. Defenders did playing in the D.C. United's home field of Audi Field there, seats around 20. Even if you're pulling in 18, it looks full. looks like a packed house. The environment looks incredible. So if these games at Cashman Field pull that 7,000, even though there's a little over 9,000 fixed seats, it's going to look full. As far as what is capacity, it might the configuration, depending on how the cameras catch it, might make it look odd, but it can't be that bad. It's got to help build an atmosphere that's exciting for the people that are in attendance. So, yeah, I would almost, I would almost bet that the uh, they'll they'll set up the cameras so they're shooting with the fans in the background. Well, yeah, but you still have the sky cam that's going to catch what it catches, right? So, I mean, there's well, still going to be yeah. some angles. They're going to, I mean, again, on the television production, 
And I'm not here to take a shot at it because there were, that's kind of one of the knocks against the USFL. There's so many people were always saying, well, there's just nobody in the stands. And people Man. are going to complain about what they want to complain about. They're never going to be just happy that they have football on television, right? <laughs> and the XFL made it very important, uh, made an important decision or a key decision in their mind to play in the markets and have fans in the seats. So here we are. They just happen to play in a stadium, you know, that's a baseball configuration. And who knows, maybe they might add some portable seats or temporary seating along that sideline if things are selling well. But we'll have to see because they're really late to the game on that. So to be determined. Yeah, yeah that, that'll be interesting to see. That's the right field, the right field uh, wall, basically. I'm looking at the configuration. That's going to be. That's going to be fun to watch. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I I think they'll do well. It'll be something I've never seen. Never seen a football field in that baseball stadium. You know, <laughs> like seeing a soccer field. Okay, it's supposed to be the same distance, so it's going the same way. But man, that uh, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see. And it's close by as far as like the proximity from the field to the stands. That's pretty pretty close, so that's going to be a that's going to be interesting to see. Well, Brian, it has been a pleasure, and I appreciate taking the time to come on the show just to talk about the XFL, the Vipers, you know, kind of what you're seeing in the market as far as sports, because I think it's something that a lot of people have been wondering: is it too saturated? Is it not? Is it just so sports crazed that you know they're living it up for you know because they were so deprived? for so long at professional sports, right? So, I mean, it's a growing city, so not to rehash anything, but, I, you know, I, I appreciate because it gives us the insight that a lot of people kind of wonder what's going on, and now we have a little bit more of an idea what to anticipate when the Vipers kick off in week two of the season. So, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on. It's really been a pleasure. No, nah, of course, man, Michael. I appreciate you reaching out to me, man. Like, I, this was fun. This is very nice to meet you and talk. I'm a sports guy, man. Like I, I talk sports. So uh, I enjoy talking all sports, no matter what sport it is. It's just, it's just in me. So, and I, I'm excited to see what happens with the XFL. And you've actually taught me some stuff that I didn't know. Like I had no idea about what's going on with the quarterback situation. As soon as we get off, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at that. But, uh, and I hadn't looked at the configuration of the field inside of Cashman field, but I, I just kind of thought that it would end up being, it would end up being good. I've seen a few football games in baseball fields. Like, for instance, the, I watched the game at Fenway Park. They covered right. high school football games at Fenway Park before, and that was pretty cool. So I think it'll it'll be nice. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And the XFL in Las Vegas, I think, on a smaller scale, as long as they're not trying to fill Legion Stadium, I think it shall do well here. I think it'll do well. Well, that's our hope. All of us people that are – you know, whether it's emotionally invested into the league or somebody like me that has a podcast, puts a little bit more of my time and energy in, you know, to supporting the league and helping get some things out there. But yeah, that's, that's what we hope. We want football to stick around all year round now. That's what we had hoped for a long time, all these football fans. And uh, hopefully we finally get it, you know, week after week after week and then season after season because we've seen just so many for whatever reason. Yeah either get to week five, week seven, and sometimes they don't even finish the season, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's just finances for whatever reason fall through. But it's kind of, it'd be nice to start piggybacking some seasons and keep football all year round here in the United States. It'd be, it'd be awesome. 
Yeah, and here in Las Vegas. I'm I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, before I let you go, if you wouldn't mind taking a, a moment here just to share where some of my listeners could follow you if they'd like to, to kind of keep in tune with what's going on in Vegas and the Vipers. Please do. And I appreciate you giving me the time to do that. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm on um, all the social media platforms from Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter, pretty active on uh, Instagram as well. On those two, for Twitter, it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, News 3, N-E-W-S, News 3 L-V. So that's Twitter, Brian, News 3 L-V. Instagram, it's official Vegas Brian. My account got hacked probably like two months ago, and I had to change my name. But it's official, just regular old official, O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L, um, Vegas, Brian. And uh, and I have a lot of I have a lot of content on there. I mean, I put a lot of stuff from either Raiders games or UFC fights or Golden Knights, Desert Dogs. Like I said, the interview I had with Carlos Santana. I had some video, which went crazy, of um, – when uh, Ice Cube and Too Short just formed, uh, they just performed again. I want to say it was a 49ers game, the 49ers and the Raiders game. And I was the only person literally standing right in front of them with my phone. I videotaped like the whole entire halftime show. It's probably got like 50, 60,000 views on my, um, I don't know, on my Instagram. So nice. yeah, if you check out my, yeah, check out my Instagram. I, I've got some pretty good content on there. Um, I have to do so. Yeah, I'm not a good-looking woman, so I don't have like a million followers. <laughs> but um, I, I have some good content from some of the stuff we do, and I will have more this weekend. The fact that the Pro Bowl here, celebrity bas- celebrity basketball game on Saturday here in Las Vegas, in accordance with the Pro Bowl, Gary Payton will be there, Dennis Rodman will be there, Trayvon and Stefan Diggs they're playing in this game, Floyd Mayweather's playing this game, Max Crosby's playing this game. And I'm playing in the game, which is cool. It's the second annual. I played in the game last year, so it should be pretty fun. And I should have some pretty good some uh, content from that as well, man. So, yeah, please check me out. And then news3lv.com. That's where our television station is at. Our sports page, man, there's a lot of stuff on there as well, man. Myself and Jesse Merrick, we put we try to put as much content from what we do on there as well. So, yeah, man, check us out. And that's how we connected. I mean, you saw the post that I had with the XFL, I'm sure. So, right. um, yeah. It's, Check me out. I, I appreciate the support. I appreciate the support. It doesn't have to be if we don't want it to be. We can just reach out and connect with whoever we want to. So that, it's, again, a pleasure. I'm glad you uh, responded to my DM. And uh, I'm looking forward to potentially reaching out again later in the season if you have the time. And maybe we can uh, do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be very, very interesting to talk after the season started to see how things went. And I can give you an idea just exactly how the stadium and configuration and atmosphere and everything else. So definitely reach back out to me. I'd love to come back on with you. All right. Good deal. Well, thank you and take care. It was a pleasure speaking with Brian and getting his insight into the Las Vegas market and the Vegas Vipers efforts in the city's new professional sports landscape. So much has changed since the XFL last called Las Vegas home. Brian's involvement and reach in the city is second to none. If you visit his Instagram account, you will see an array of events and interviews he has attended and given that exceed the realm of sports. His appearance on the show is a real treat, and I look forward to following up with him later in the season. As I have previously mentioned, 
We will now be joined by Spectrum News 13 sports anchor and reporter Josh Miller to discuss the Orlando Guardians in their lead-up to the 2023 season. Josh's roots run deep in Florida. He not only grew up in the state, but he also attended Stenson University in Delenth, Texas, for his undergrad. After receiving his master's degree from Syracuse University, he returned to the Sunshine State, joining CBS 4 News in Gainesville, where he earned the 2021 AP Florida Association Broadcast Journalist Sports Story of the Year Award. Welcome, Josh. I appreciate taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL, the Orlando Guardians in their lead-up to kickoff, and more. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I've seen your podcast on social medias and Twitter, and uh, it's really cool, and uh, it's special to uh, be here with you, and it's cool that you're doing this start of the uh, XFL here and start of a pretty cool podcast. Well, I appreciate those kind words, and uh, yeah, I think it's a cool league to be covering, so you know, it's awesome to have people like you to help give us some additional insight that we're lacking, you know, and not everyone's in each of the markets, so that's kind of a big deal for me and my listeners, essentially. Yeah, man. Cool insight. Before we dive into the XFL, I think it's pretty important and beneficial for our listeners if we kind of get a little bit of your backstory, you know, as to why I brought you onto the show, you know, so they have an understanding you're not just another guy. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind just sharing some of your background, we, we would appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a Florida, Florida guy, Florida boy raised, lived in Florida most of my life. I went on to play college football at Stetson University. It's a Division One FCS school. Um, I actually have a couple of teammates of mine that have played in the XFL or are playing in right now and some other guys I played with. So it's it's cool to talk about this too. After my playing career, I had to stop because of head injuries and stuff. I went on to grad school at Syracuse University for uh, broadcast journalism. I uh, got my master's there in broadcast journalism, then went on to a CBS affiliate in Gainesville to cover the Gators. Then most recently, about six months ago, um, Moved to Central Florida and Orlando to be a sports anchor and reporter uh, covering Central Florida and kind of all Florida sports um, for News 13, one of the local news stations here. So doing what I love, man. I love love talking to people, love talking about sports. So it seems like a pretty good uh, profession so far. Yeah, that would seem like most people's dream just to follow the sports, talk about the sports and get paid for it. You know, that just seems like a dream. So. You are living that so-called dream. Not that it's not a full-time job because um, like you were sharing just before we got started, you know, things pop up and you got to do what you got to do. So, you know, it's kind of that grind as well. So, you know, yeah, sure. I do appreciate the time. So let's dive into this XFL in the Orlando Guardians. Back in July, the league announced its eight markets with Orlando receiving its second XFL franchise seeing that the city had previously had the rage in 2001, the market already had XFL ties. However, more than 20 years have passed since Orlando has seen a significant shift in their sporting landscape. Back then, I believe there were only two professional franchises, the NBA's Magic, then the Arena Football League's Predators. Now there are multiple teams, which Orlando is home to. As we previously mentioned, obviously both of those teams, the NBA, the um, Arena Football League, but as well as what well, hockey teams, you got the ECHLs, Solar Bears, the Major League Soccer's, Orlando City, NWSL's Pride, and I believe there's a professional women's team, right, called the uh, football team, the Anarchy. I don't know yeah. how big that is, but 
now that the market has significantly shifted, we had seen back in 2001 when the rates were there, attendance was pretty solid. Is the market too saturated with sports now? Professional sports, that is, because, I mean, we obviously know that, you know, Central Florida is got a pretty decent football program now and drawing pretty well. I mean, is it too saturated now or is it perfect? I think it's perfect because of the sport. So you look at football within Central Florida, the Orlando area. Closest professional team is going to be Tampa, about an hour and a half, two hours away. Next is going to be Jacksonville, same distance. And then you got Miami, which is three and a half hours. So Central Florida is kind of a melting pot for different professional football fans. And I think what the Guardians do is it gives people that live here, especially with the new league coming up back and a new team here in Orlando, it gives them the chance to root for their own hometown professional football team. So I think it's the perfect fit for that. As far as other professional sports, I know they've been welcoming to uh, the Guardians um, and they want to see them succeed. I know Camping World Stadium where the Guardians are going to play is a big bowl season venue. So like they have the Citrus Bowl, the Cheez-It Bowl. They have the Cure Bowl here in Orlando. There's a bunch of different bowl games. They have the HBCU kickoff or All-American game between FAMU and Bethune-Cookman. So people want to see football here in Orlando. And I think bringing an XFL team and the Guardians to Orlando just kind of, not I don't want to say pleases, but kind of makes everyone on the same team. You know, they're excited to root for for a common team here. Well, that's encouraging that a league coming into town, that there's actually a market for them. You know, we can always look at larger cities and assume, well, anything's going to succeed. Well, that's not always the case. So, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, well, just because there was some success with, you know, attendance back in 2001, well, this landscape had shifted. But Orlando is also a growing city, from my understanding. So I guess even though more options, there's still more people. So and it's very tourism driven with people always coming into town with Universal, Disney, all those things. So um, I, I guess it's not that big a surprise that, you know, there, there's still opportunity. So there has been seven months since that announcement, though. Since then, the branding came out. They elected not to come back with their rage branding, but to use the Guardians branding, which had been with a New York franchise in 2020. Do you have a pulse as to what the reaction is to the Guardians name and maybe not bringing back the rage name? Or is it kind of just really indifferent? I think it's more indifferent. I think people do know that it is was associated with New York. So there could be some like, hey, where's our own unique Orlando type name? I know there's it's crazy how sports have evolved, but there's now Major League Pickleball. And there's yeah. an actual professional pickleball team in Orlando. And they're called the Squeeze, you know, because Orange, Citrus, Florida. So I think the Guardians of the XFL could have, you know, maybe honed in more on the whole Central Florida, Florida connection. But I don't think people are per se, like worried or upset about it. I think more so maybe like they see the connection and maybe see it as like, oh, okay, well, that team's now here in Orlando. Well, for somebody like me, I'm a transplant. Moved down from Syracuse, down to Florida, and I was a season ticket holder for the Guardians. So it's cool for me that I get to follow the same team, so to speak, even though and really it's not. Different coaching staff, different players, but it's kind of cool that I'm now a season ticket holder and I'll be driving the two and a half hours from where I reside in Southwest Florida. But for most people, I could see like, yeah, it just kind of seems like a random 
just we just plucked one team from a spot, threw it in another, but we kept the the name. So I could see how that's kind of odd. But you know, sometimes fan bases or people are just eager to have more of something. And in this case, as long as they're just happy to have football, it could be just indifferent. We have a lot of transplants like myself coming down. So from New York, obviously Florida's gaining population. New York is, you know, losing population. So maybe there's enough New Yorkers just to kind of accept that, you know what I'm saying? Not just myself, but anyway, so the name's kind of indifferent. So we don't have that as a drawing point for this team, which kind of, you know, Things came out a little late. It's got me kind of wondering, like a lot of other people, we're looking at some of these teams, and you can get on Ticketmaster, and you start looking to see how many seats are available for what's available in those sections. Orlando just seems to be lacking a tad bit, right? A little bit behind on some of these other teams. Larger venue, but just not selling as much. So it makes us wondering, what is happening in Orlando? I know that there's a fan fest coming up, you know, on um, February 11th at Broken Strings Brewery, but that's a very fan-driven thing. Is there anything we're seeing with the team or that you're seeing in the market that the team's doing? Is it traditional marketing as far as TV, radio, billboards, print media, and in the papers, not that anyone really reads the newspaper anymore, but are we seeing more grassroots type of things? Are, Are we seeing anything in Orlando? I think the team um, is trying to get more so word out of it. Like they've met like with our station and the other stations in the market and they're trying to get the word out. I know head coach Terrell Buckley's met with, you know, a lot of us sports anchors and has talked and we've ran, you know, pieces on him and, and kind of what he brings and the whole guardians thing. Uh, last week they did a press conference at the stadium with the part owner. I forget her name. Uh, Danielle, I think. Danny Garcia. Yeah, Danny Garcia, and she's actually an Orlando native. So she she was talking about how much she wants Orlando to be, you know, kind of like a powerhouse for them in the XFL and her being from here, how the connection is strong. But I think really they're just trying to get the word out right now, whether that's through TV, like you said. I know they've also talked to radio stations. I'm thinking that they are doing some stuff, you know, probably with the Magic later on as, as their season starts and the Magic season kind of gets into the thick of it. But I think really just, yeah, just traditional marketing, trying to get it out. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people, too, in Orlando. Because like you said, it's very touristy. There's a big university here. So there's some people that may not know of the XFL. So they're not only, you know, harping on the Guardians, but I think the whole XFL as a whole. Yeah, it's just it kind of seems like by the time things got announced, like whether it was the cities and then eventually it took time to get the, the branding out, whether it was coaches, the draft didn't happen until – November out in Vegas, but now they have their hub in Arlington where they're doing all of their training camps and stuff. So obviously there's a missed opportunity for these markets that don't have their coaches and players there all the time to help that grassroots. But we have seen a little bit on social media where some of these teams, coaches are flying in to the market with maybe a handful of players and they're doing these different happy hours and whatnot. Now, I, I know I'm a member of the huddle and I'm a season ticket holder and whatnot. And usually that type of stuff would be communicated, but I haven't seen it. And I just wondered, is there anything? And we just missing it. And because there's nothing on social media, there's nothing coming through emails. 
And it just seems like, okay, the season's kicking off on the 18th. I understand that the Guardians are traveling out to Houston. But the reality is week two, I mean, it's not that far away. Now we're weeks, you know, week two, they're, they're right at home against the Brahma. So the San Antonio team, it just seems like there's, it's go time. And it makes people just kind of wonder. And, you know, I'm obviously an XFL show, so I try to put the league in a good light. But we also have questions, right? Not just myself. It's my listeners hit me up in DMs. What are you seeing? I'm not seeing a whole lot. But that's why we have somebody like you. And were you in attendance at that press conference? Yeah, I was there. I was there. And you bring up a good point because I don't know if it's, you know, money, if it's a, if it's a monetary thing, you know, from the team. Um, or if it's just uh, a focus on necessarily the product itself, you know, the guys on the football team, I know they signed just recently Paxton Lynch as a quarterback. He's a central Florida product. I don't know if that was maybe like a marketing tool, like, Hey, you know, we got one of central Florida zones here at quarterback. I know they also have Francois there. So they have a deep quarterback room, but yeah, it could, it could be a combination of those things, but yeah, you do make a great point. Like you, you would think that wanting to fill you know, butts in the seats and getting people out to the games would be a priority at this juncture less than a month away from, from kickoff. Well, especially being in a large venue. Right. You know, when we look at the Vegas Vipers, they're playing in a former minor league baseball stadium that has a fixed capacity of just over 9,000. That's not going to take much to make it look full on television. When you look at the DC defenders, they play in a soccer specific stadium where the DC United play, it has a capacity around 20,000. So even if you draw 18,000, it's going to look really full. Even 17,000 is going to look pretty full in a 20,000-seat stadium. Camping World Stadium, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but that's far from a small venue. So to actually make it look presentable on a television broadcast, you're going to have to draw well. Yeah, it's between. I, I know it's between uh, forty-five and 60,000, so there's... I mean, it's a, it's like, yeah, it's a professional stadium, but yeah, I, uh, in talking to, uh, coach Buckley last, last week, I had a one-on-one with him. He was telling me that camping world itself and being in Florida, they see that as a selling point that they see, you know, the nice weather and mid February, the, um, the fact that it is uh, more of a professional stadium than these other XFL teams. And just the fact that, you know, it's Florida, the hype around football, the hype around wanting to be a professional football team is going to be a selling point. Now, I don't know if that's what they're solely banking on. I mean, I wouldn't if I was a professional franchise, you know, because there's you can never do too much, I guess. Right. But I don't know. It could be a combination of things because, you know, I guess they're they are very worried about about the product on the field. And in knowing Coach Buckley, you know, NFL vet, Super Bowl champion takes the game seriously. You know, he's he's probably definitely just focused on the product on the field, along with all those things. But I know it's in the back of his head, too, because he wants he wants not only to put out a good product, but for people to see the good product. I agree. So I had the opportunity to attend the Florida showcase back in June when they had it in Bradington. And I had the privilege to interview and then talk a little bit off, off mic with coach Buckley. And yeah, he seems pretty business, all business. And you know, that could just be really how he is. That could be just the way he presented himself, but either way, I do think football is the focus and that's pretty important for a league. That's got a pretty decent broadcasting deal with the Disney companies. So they're got ABC, ESPN, ESPN plus ESPN two. 
and FX are going to convert and put some sports on there. So it's they have a pretty interesting opportunity here on large platforms, and they're overseas in more than a hundred countries, according to what we're seeing in the press release. So that's pretty interesting. That obviously the football's got to be right. People that are tuning in for football that has to be right. So I can't m- knock them for doing that, but you know the one knock we had as fans against the USFL was that, you know, when we're watching these games and their broadcasts, just there wasn't a lot of people in the seats. Well, we'll have to see how this plays out because that seems to be pretty important because they're not doing a full-on hub. They're playing in each of the markets not to beat that dead horse. But it just, you know, it's something that the league obviously has to generate interest, not just only on television to tune in, but obviously to attend games. Right. I'm a little bit more curious about the press conference. I know a lot of people had anticipated an announcement of some sort, but what it appeared to be essentially was just Danny Garcia, Terrell Buckley, and the mayor up there to essentially announce to Orlando in the world that the Guardians are now an Orlando team. Is that essentially all it was? Because we were all seeing clips from various news. Not everyone got a chance to watch it live. Is that essentially just what it was? They just... We're making it well-known publicly in a very formal way that the Guardians are now here. Yeah, it was kind of like a get hype, you know, for the season um, with uh, the chairman and owner there and the mayor and, and Buckley. Like you said, they were just kind of like, you know, we're, we're ready to have this season. We're ready to see people in Orlando here in the state of Florida. Uh, Buddy Dyer, the mayor of Orlando, was excited about it. Um, but yeah, like you kind of summed it up. It was pretty much just like a get hype. Orlando Guardians is coming here to Camping World, and the XFL is here. And the chairman kept preaching on, it's not a one-year thing, it's a they're-here-to-stay type deal. So she was making that clear that, you know, they want to be around for a while. Yeah, we've heard this three- to five-year plan that they're planning even on losing money for the first X amount of years, that they have a plan of longevity. So hopefully that's the case, because... We've seen so many times with these alternative or supplemental football leagues kind of struggling in year one and not making it to year two. So hopefully that is something that is committed between Danny, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Redbird Capital, all the ownerships. So definitely something that, you know, every people are skeptical, but it seems to be the talking point, the, the positivity that's coming out of the ownership. So that's a good thing. As far right. as Coach Buckley... I know we've talked about how he's a professional and he's got ties even to Florida, you know, being a dolphin in two different sense with the Miami dolphins. And he even played at Florida state. Right. Is he like exactly what Orlando needed at the helm? Is he known enough? Like I know as a dolphins in myself, before I moved down here, I knew who he was, but how well known throughout Florida is he? Is he enough of a marquee name? Is he seem to be the right guy for the fit of Orlando? Yeah, I think, um, you know, being living in Central Florida, you find a lot of FSU fans, people that know of him as playing. And then you also got a lot of Gator fans, people who knew of those, you know, matchups back in the day. And then, like you said, the NFL, his stints with the Dolphins, uh, he won a Super Bowl. So, I think people know about him and getting the word out. He's definitely expressed what type of product he wants to have out there on the field. So I think um, the combination of his resume, his background and um, his passion too that you, you see translates from obviously being a player to now 
coaching the Guardians. So let's take a look at football. You're a football guy. You played yourself before your career got you know shortened due to some head injuries. But when you're looking at this roster, you already mentioned Paxton Lynch, and, and you mentioned Francois. When you're looking across this roster and knowing some of the guys you played with, played against there in this league, what are you seeing? Because a lot of people think that the Guardians are not going to be at the top. You know, we're starting to see the sports betting odds that are coming out, and it doesn't they're not so kind to the guardians. They look like they have either the worst or second to the worst odds, depending which sports book you're looking at. So what are you seeing when you see this roster? Does it, do you have hope? Are you encouraged? You think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle and it's not the the bag on anybody. I'm just, what are you seeing? Yeah. Well, in talking with, uh, with T buck coach Buckley, obviously, you know, the salary and, and this league is not, you know, what the NFL is, what guys are making, league minimums, stuff like that. A lot of guys are trying to get to that point, obviously, monetary value, fame and all that. But he was basically telling me that, you know, the training camp that's going on now, lifts, workouts, that he's seen grit, hard work, and a different type of uh, work ethic that he hasn't seen before in guys. And, you know, in playing with guys that are in the XFL, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of guys, you know, that could be on practice squads. It could be special teams guys that could be playing in the NFL. But as far as like a how the Guardians match up, he was telling me that his basically emphasis is on, you know, up front offense and defensive line, that he needs guys that are on defense are going to get to the quarterback. He also prides himself, obviously, being a defensive back on uh, the position. So he's coaching DBs and he's making sure that those guys are right in their sets, you know, their presses and, and how they cover linebackers. He wants them to be physical. And then offensively, he thinks from a defensive standpoint on that. So he kind of wants to get his guys prepared for anything that's going to happen, have a big offensive line up front that can move some guys, run the ball. He said they got some good backs as well as some tight ends that they can mix in. So I don't know. It, it's it's hard to judge. There's definitely guys on there that, you know, have played at some big time programs that were roles at, you know, big power five schools that have, you know, won some conference championships and have done great things at, you know, high division one level and are, you know, some NFL bounce backs. Um, but it's hard to tell because I think in a league, like this, you know, you look at the speed of the game and it's going to be faster than college, but then you also have some guys that played in the NFL that it's going to be not slower, but it's going to be, you know, their instincts are going to be quicker. So I think if the guardians can control, like T buck said, line of scrimmage, which, which is big and kind of just play to what he says, I think that they can do some damage, but as far as, as far as players stand out, I don't know. I think, I think maybe after the first or second week, you'll start seeing some guys like, okay, like this, this guy can play. You'll see a linebacker, you know, that's making a bunch of tackles or running back, you know, that's he had a hundred yards this game, had like 80 yards this next game, a couple touchdowns. So you'll see some guys step up. He told me also, there's a lot of competition in that quarterback room that they're still trying to figure that out. I'm sure bringing in Paxton now brings in a whole different uh, side of competition. Uh, Cause he said, there's some guys that can play in there. But I think it could be exciting. As far as the betting lines, I don't know. I guess that's probably maybe solely based on talent because, you know, some other teams might have other guys. But I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they come out the first game. That's that's always a big telltale sign of, of how kind of things are going to go. And you'll see you'll see how prepared they actually are, because if, if T-Buck says they're doing what they've been doing, you know, then they'll come out firing on all cylinders. When I look at these sport betting lines, I'm not a big sports betting person so you know the odds and all that stuff clearly there's not much to go off right 
we don't play the games on paper. And it's funny because if you look back at these other alternative leagues, the leagues didn't always play out how people anticipated just before the season started. Like they picked their top teams. It's always some under the radar team, so to speak. And if that's the case, the guardians are probably just as under the radar as it can get. Not only odds wise, because there was, I think there was four or five sports books. There was a column I ended up posting on my uh, XFL Mike Twitter account. And they're either dead last, or I think in one column for one of the sports books, they're tied for last or something like that. But the guardians have the most number of fan controlled football players, which is this pretty new, very flamboyant league that a lot of people are just not aware of. I'm, I was never really in tuned in. So I think so many people looked at, well, what's up with this? They had like nine players at one point, And then people were just like, Oh, I think that's part of the people just kind of casting them off is, you know, we got teams like the renegades and the Vipers that are loaded with more veterans. You know, the Vipers have Bryant and, Vic Beasley and so like a former all pro like these are known play- and I think sometimes that catapults some of these teams higher higher up the chart but the reality is the games have to be played and coach Buckley's not the only rookie head coach so to speak it, you know first time head coach you know coach Beck you got Heinz Ward Rod Woodson himself these are all rookie head coaches so I think they got just as good of a chance to be that underdog to use that as the motivation is like, it doesn't matter what these sports books are putting out. They typically have been wrong with whoever the favorites have been and whoever the people are. It's always been one of those. No. So if I am Buckley, if I am the team, if I am Orlando, the fan base, I think that's something to be encouraged about. I mean, it's just my, my quick take that, you know, don't get caught up in all of the hoopla of these other teams. For sure. I think it's also an advantage because you look at the guys, like you said, those uh, all pros and guys that had careers in the league. For Orlando, I mean, you're in the XFL to begin with, so you have a chip on your shoulder. To have a chip on your shoulder and then be the team that no one thinks is going to win or do anything, it gives you an extra added chip on your shoulder. So in reality, these guys on the Guardians, not only do they have nothing to lose because their goal and dream is to go play in the NFL, but in this own league, which is created for guys, that have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose on top of that, if that makes sense. So like they like their motivation and their want to be great should be like way bigger and way higher than than some of these other guys on the other teams. And the fact that you have a coach as passionate as Terrell Buckley, I mean, I think and I hope they'll they'll come out week one and, and this whole season just kind of just fired up, you know, and just making plays all over the field and and have a good product out there for for people to see here in Orlando. Speaking of week one. What do you anticipate seeing as far as attendance? Um, not week one, but their first home game in week two. In talking with some other, uh, you know, guys in the market, you know, sports guys and, and just speaking, you know, because we talked about this. Um, it's hard to say, you know, because it's going to be the first week or the first game in Orlando. Excuse me. Um, I think it's very dependent on, you know, because if they get their butts kicked in week one. It's not going to look good. I don't don't think it's going to be good for for anyone, not the team, not the fan base, not anything. So week one is very big, you know, for the Guardians. They can come out and get a win and then come back to Orlando for their first game. I mean, I think 
I think you're looking at, you know, between 10 to 20,000 people, which would be great, you know, for the Guardians first game, 10 to 20. I mean, it's not going to look that packed because Camping World can seat up to, you know, 60,000, I think. But I'm hoping anywhere between, you know, 10 to 20,000 for that first game. And I think if they can just keep building momentum and momentum, continuing to get the word out, continuing to uh, to kind of be more in the community, they can get more more people in the seats. But I, I would say anywhere between 10 and 20,000. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a pretty good, you know, I hope it's not going to be around 14, 15, which we've seen some of these teams start out back in 2020. But hey, you got to start someplace, but you're right. Winning is usually the cure-all for any franchise. If you can win, their draw is much better than if you are losing. So we'll have to see how that plays out in Houston. Josh, it has been a pleasure. I don't want to take all your time. I know you're a busy man. You've got whatever on your plate. I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on to discuss the XFL, the Guardians, and everything leading up to the kickoff. If you wouldn't mind before you go, taking a moment just to let our listeners where they could follow you to keep up to date on whatever's happening with the Guardians, as well as just sports in Orlando in general. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Mike, too. It, again, it's it's cool and special to be here with you. Uh, I give you all the credit and kudos um, seeing your following and what you've done. It's uh, it's cool, man. Never give up and keep going. It's, it's, it's awesome. But as for me, I, I work at News 13 uh, here in Orlando. You can find us on Spectrum News Orlando. Channel 13, if you're in the area, and uh, yeah, or on our website, and uh, you can find my my Twitter and socials there at jmillersports13. And uh, no, thank you, Mike. Listen to this podcast. Keep in keep in tune with Mike and, and whatever he's got to say because he knows what he's talking about. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, if it's possible, I may just reach out once the season's underway or after the season just to kind of get some additional insight into the Orlando Guardians. No problem, Mike. Thanks for everything, man. Thank you. Take care, man. You as well. Having Josh appear on the show is a bit special. His experience playing football in college and having connections to several players who are playing in the XFL or had previously played in the league in 2020 made him an ideal fit to come onto the show. The fact that Josh attended the Orlando Guardians press conference at Camping World Stadium was the icing on the cake. His willingness to return to the show is welcomed, and I look forward to following up with him in the future. This week, we do not have any fan line messages. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. 
Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.